welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our sermon series, On the Way, A Journey Through the Songs of Ascent. Thank you for listening. Good morning, good morning. That was very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was really good. It's a pleasure and honor to stand before you with the word this morning. I want to call your attention to Psalm 123 and 124. I'd like to convey sentiments from our pastor. Pastor Josh has asked me to make sure that I let you guys know that he appreciates all of your prayers. Uh, Thank you for all the cards, the calls, the emails, the texts, the food, the um, and especially wants me to make sure that it's clear that he feels the love in the presence of Refuge Church and holding him and his family up. So he says thank you. I also want to uh, acknowledge the fact that Stephen, party of three, is back with us this morning as you've seen him uh, having a good time up here in worship. And so here we are this morning, and we are in a series titled On the Way. Now, In order for us to really truly get this, I want you to wrap your minds around the fact that just like the children of Israel were on their way, we are on our way. We are passing through. This is not our home. Uh, Heaven is our home. Our focus and our heart and our minds are in heaven and Whereas we would ordinarily be distracted by the things that are in our view here in this world, we are not because our gaze is in heaven. And because our gaze and our eyes are with the Lord, it helps us to overlook. We see these things. We understand them. We know that these things are happening, uh, but it doesn't affect us like it affects everybody else. And we need to be able to wrap our minds around that before I even get started. So I want to call your attention to Psalm 123 and 124. Pastor Josh covered last week 120, 121, and 122. And today, I want to use for a subject, I want you to think about these two, two, two phrases. Look to God and remember his goodness. Look to God and remember his goodness. You'll hear me say that throughout our time. I am going to read Psalm 123 to get us kicked off. Here's what the Bible says to us. To you I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid servant to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God, till he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, 
have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. The Psalms are an inspired record of the fight of faith. That's one of the reasons why we love them so much. By the time we get there in the story of Scripture, two competing realities immediately grab our attention. The first promise of God is the promise of God, and the second is Israel's terrible situation. It goes like this. You see, on one hand, there is the fact of God's promise. Now, this promise goes all the way back to Genesis. We see it in God's word where God tells Abraham and he, he, makes him a, he tells him that he's going to make him a great nation through which the whole world would be blessed. We see this in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I'm going to read that. You don't have to turn to it. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. What an amazing promise. This promise perseveres over 400 years and progresses into the promise to David that he would have a son who would reign as king forever over a rescued and restored Israel. We see this in 2 Samuel 7, verse 16. But on the other hand, there is the fact that Israel is deep in idolatry. The chosen people of God just can't seem to, to listen to him for long. And, and therefore, judgment ensues. And, and, and then they're taken captive by foreign powers. And in captivity is where they find themselves by the time the Psalms have been collected. So the stage has been set for these two competing realities to go head to head. God promises greatness and blessing, but they are surrounded by turmoil and captivity. God says one thing, but they're experiencing another. Eventually, these two competing realities lead to one central question. That question is this. Is God going to keep his promise and do what he says? That's the question. And you see, sometimes we may even find ourselves with that question looming. God, are you going to be faithful to me in my time of need? Are you going to be there when I need you? Here's this amazing question. Now we enter the ascent. These two realities and this one question form the background 
to the section of Psalms that we know as the ascents, the Psalm of the Ascent. This section beginning at Psalm 120 and stretching through to Psalm 134 is joined under the idea reflected in its name to ascend. It means to step up or come out. And in the wider context of the Psalter, these Psalms envision the day when Israel comes out of their foreign exile. The hope is focused on the deliverance the Messiah will bring, rescuing his people from their captivity and restoring Jerusalem to glory and peace. This section of Psalms jumps right in the middle of the tension. It cuts through the competing realities and determines that God's promise will take the day. If the Psalms at large are a record of the, the fight of faith, the Psalm of Ascent has to be an absolute brawl. This is why we have so much to learn from them. Uh, Psalms 120 starts the journey in exile with the psalmist in distress about his situation. Woe to me that I sojourn. Too long have I, I have my dwelling among those who hate peace. But simply put, the psalmist finds himself where he doesn't want to be. He's a sojourner, unsettled, dreaming of a better day. He's a mess. This is what Pastor Josh preached last week. But then in Psalm 121, it comes to remind God's people that God is our keeper. Although we may be in exile, God keeps our going out and our coming in. We see this in Psalm 121, 6 through 8. We see their help. It's found in the verse. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In Psalm 122, David expressed his great joy over Jerusalem through worship. It says in verse 4, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, was, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We see their worship. But when we get to Psalm 123, it echoes again the plight of their situation, but makes clear that their eyes are fixed on God. And then in 124, God has been faithful to keep his people in the past, so he's reminding us to remember his goodness and not to forget. So there are only two phrases that I want you to think about this morning. And that is, look to God and remember his goodness. Look to God and remember his goodness. Look to God is found in Psalm 123. And remember his goodness is, sound, is found in Psalm 124. These two incredible psalms or songs of ascent are getting ready to share with us what's next on our way journey. Let's begin, first of all, with where to look, where to look. I believe it's found in verse 1 of Psalm 123. It says, to you, I lift up my eyes. That's personal. So these are my eyes. I'm, I'm, what he's saying is, God, 
I'm going to move everything and everything else around from a, in my view, anything that's going to be a distraction to me, and it's just me and you. You know, sometimes in the middle of a terrible situation and a tough situation, you know, that's what we have to do. We have to go carve out a place. I don't know if that place is at a park for you. I don't know if that place is at a, in a closet or uh, I don't know if it's in your car, but we have to go carve out that place that we can actually be quiet and still with the Lord. When we come to God in time of need, I believe there's a certain posture that is appropriate. It is the posture, however, of our souls, not our bodies so much that's in view. We humbly come before our sovereign God. That's what he's talking about as the one enthroned in heaven. We're recognizing that he's a holy God. And, and our cares are, are such a priority that he's the only one that can attend to them. You see, I believe the text is instructing us to look to God alone. That's what he's telling us to do. Look to God alone. Now, in order for you to really get the complete picture, you have to go back and read Psalm 120. You have to go back and read those verses, Psalm 120, even 121. Read those again because they are actually talking about where we are in 123. It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. You see, the blessing here is that the writer doesn't give us any clue or indication as to what the problem was. So what that means for you and I is whatever your problem or situation is, Psalm 123 in verse 1 is the answer. And you see, he's telling us that no matter where we are and what we're dealing with and what we're going through, we need to lift up our eyes to God alone. You see, the resolve that the writer makes here is this. I will look nowhere else for my needs to be met. That's what he's telling us. And you see, sometimes if we're not careful, we can start trusting more in our resources than we trust in our source that gave us the resources. Please hear me this morning. I, I, this is, it's, it's, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not careful, you can miss this. I don't want you to miss this. God is our source. God is your source. God is my source. He is our source. And everything that he's blessed us with is a resource. Everything that's around us that he's blessed us with, those are resources to be used. You see, I'm talking about the job or the career and the financial provisions that come along with it. I'm talking about the education that we're so proud of. Y'all know what education is, right? It's that thing that we've gone and we've studied for years and years, and we're so proud of it. All I'm saying is look to God alone when you're going through difficult seasons of life. Trust him above all else. This simply means that we look to God first and foremost. I'm not talking about God and. I'm talking about God alone. I'm not talking about God plus this. No, it's God alone. It's God alone. Let, let's take marital issues, uh, for example. You can't solve marital problems when you're both looking at each other. Can't do it. See, I've been married almost 30 years to my wife, my beautiful wife, Sonia, here. 
And, you know, one of the things that we learned years ago is you can't solve those problems when you're facing each other sometimes. Let me tell you why. See, sometimes when you're facing each other and you're having a heated discussion, it gets really, really ugly because you're looking at the person. And you know what you're looking at when you see the other person? Attitudes. Yeah. You see, you're looking at facial expressions and you're looking at this attitude and this thing and, and, and you, you, you know, you got your view and she has her view. He has his view. Her, she has her. And, and you're looking at each other and you're going. And, and, and that's not the way. You know, years ago, we learned that you're supposed to sit. Uh, you know, we tried it. It worked for a long time. Actually, to a certain degree, we still use it to this day. You should sit side by side, and you should place the item on a table, and you should, you should discuss the item on the table and not face each other. You see, a lot of times when we're looking at each other and we're having these discussions, we're not necessarily listening to the person and what they're saying. What we sometimes find ourselves doing is trying to be prepared to respond to what they said. And we're responding to what they said based on the attitude and the facial expressions that they're giving off. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can go round for round for round for round trying to figure something out. And all I'm trying to say you both must stop and pray and look to God alone together. Together. You see, if I'm concentrating on looking to God alone and Sonia's concentrating on looking to God alone, we're going to meet in the middle. That's how it works. And you see, that's one of the things that we must do. You see, we've got to stop looking at our financial situations. As it relates to what we have and what we don't have, we've got to look to God alone. When, when your heart is raging in anxiety and turmoil and you're struggling to believe the gospel, you've got to look to God alone. You're dealing with health problems this morning, look to God alone. We're, 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 if you're in this room, no matter what you're facing, I don't care if it's depression or loneliness or grief, we've got to look to God alone. God is very clear. He's telling us in Psalm 124 that he's been faithful to keep his people in the past. So he's reminding us to remember. I want you to make sure that while we're in this journey, while we're on this journey, not just to look to him with the eyes, but we must also yield our hearts to him. You gotta yield your hearts to him in relationship with him. He said, maybe you're here today and you uh, uh, don't know the Lord, you don't have a relationship with him, a few of the elders will be up front, and we can help you with that in, in just a little while. He not only tells you where to look, but he also tells you how to look. He tells you how to look. He, he tells us how to look in the, same, in the same book, in the same chapter. It says, behold, as the eyes of the servant." Look to the land, to the hand of the master, of the eyes of the maidservant, to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord, our God. Now, originally, when I was writing this, 
I wrote down the word servingly, and my computer didn't like it. So it kept rejecting it, put a line, a little red, ugly line up under the bottom. Now, I like the word servingly, right? So, but the word technically is servantly. All right, so we're going to say servantly, but just know in my heart I'm saying servingly, all right? So we're going to go with servingly, all right? So the Bible says that we should look servingly. It says, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master. Look to God, is what he's saying. Look to God with deference. Not my way, Lord, but your way. Not my direction, but your direction. And he's telling us that we've got to do it in submission and trust. These are all expressed here by the figure in our text. In the East, servants in attending to their masters are almost wholly directed by signs, which require the closest observance of the hand. I'll never forget my wife and I, we went to uh, Ruth Chris many years ago. And, and, you know, I was so impressed. We got there and, and they came over to our table and they removed the excess glasses and stuff. And he was asking us and making recommendations. He's talking to us, you know, small talk. And uh, so uh, we were sitting there conversating. We were looking at the menu, trying to see what we knew we could not afford at the time. And we were just sitting there looking at it. And so while we were sitting there looking at the menu and we are just going over everything, uh, I had a question. And, and as I had this question, I, I went to raise my head up just to kind of glance over to look. And Chip, the man was already, he was so, he was focusing, he was zoomed in on me, right? So I was like, you know, able to tell him, you know, so I asked him a question and everything. But, but, but it, was the, it was the fact that he was paying attention. You see, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be looking to the Lord, waiting for his next move, what he's telling us to do. But then, not only servingly, but also attentively, we look to him as a humble slave girl looks to her mistress, to his directing hand, to appoint us our work. Even with the smallest gesture from God, we should be ready to go and do what God says. You know, we see this often in sports. How often are you watching your favorite game, whether it's basketball, football, or whatever, and, and, and you never really see the, 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 the player that jumps up off the bench and runs into the game. You know why? Because it's happening so fast. It's because the coaches, they have these little signals of whatever they're doing, and, and, and what has to happen is the players have to keep their eyes on the coach. See, they're watching the coach because he's, is he going to call me? Is it my turn? Am I going to get in the game? And, and, and before you know it, he waves them in. And, and, and they go on in and, and they do what they're supposed to do. But then not only that, but we're supposed to also look expectantly. Expectantly. We see that. It's right in, in those verses. We come confident that our merciful God will not turn us away. To his supplying hand, the Bible tells us in Psalm 104 and verse 28, it says, when you give it to them, they gather it up. And when you open your hand, they are filled with good things. Isn't God good? Doesn't he bless us? And he, he allows us to have things and, and he takes good care of us. But now I'd like to show you why to look. Why do we look up to God? Because we need mercy. I'm not making it up. It's right here in the text. It's because we need mercy. If you go back and look at the end of that verse, verse number two, it says, behold, the eyes of the servants look 
to the hand of the master, so as the eyes of the servant, and the, as the mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord, here it is, our God, till he have mercy upon us. Look at verse 3. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn, those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. It says, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. This means we're not moving our gaze from the Lord until he has mercy on us. <laughs> that means we're not going to stop looking. The writer here has had a pretty rough time. I, I believe we would all agree. He's had a pretty long time. Uh, and see, what it shows us is that his journey was pretty long. He was coming from a long place. This was 15 miles out, you know, that they were making this trek. And, and, and that's a pretty long time. And, and probably where he lives, he was probably around a lot of people who did not embrace his desire for peace. And, it, you know, it kind of sounds like a lot like where we live right now. You know, some of the people, some of the people that we're around, even today, at our workplaces. But hear me this morning. Servants of God must learn to endure contempt and scorn from the children of the world. For they have need of the faith and patience of the saints. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's paying attention to how you handle your problems. Somebody who is unsaved and unchurched is watching you to see how you deal with difficult situations. If you come in early in the morning, you're throwing stuff around and you're swearing and you're doing this and you say, and they're like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't know if that's. But if you come in and they're seeing you in a mild manner and you're praying and you're working through stuff and, and you're, you're calmly handling issues. You know what the Bible says that, that I believe that is telling us? Keep shining your light. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's paying attention to your Christian walk. They're watching you to see how the example that you're going to live before the world. And that's Matthew 5, 16. The psalmist adopts an attitude of humility before God. The divine master, this is, you know, he, he, he's telling us as he hoped for help in the midst of persecution. He submits himself to God in order to be free from the oppressor. Perhaps the most striking aspect of the gospel is that Jesus himself takes on the role of a servant on our behalf, washing the disciples' feet. This is found in John 13, 1 through 17. Paul calls on Christians to adopt the same attitude as Christ who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. By, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is Philippians 2, verse 6 through 8. But here now we are in Psalm 124. I'm going to do an overview here. 
Remember the goodness of God. Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 124. And if and it if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away and the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is amazing because the psalmist leads the community as they're giving thanks to God for rescuing them from the hands of the enemy uh, intent on destroying them. And they were probably referring to the crossing of the Jordan or at the Red Sea when it talks about the water raging over them. You see, God was on their side. And in the implication is that he was on their side as a warrior who fought and defeated their enemies. You see, we as Christians are engaged in a spiritual battle that is beyond our resources to fight successfully. Our only hope is in God's help. And this psalm is a model prayer directing us to give thanks to the one who supplies us with the spiritual weapons and armor needed to escape the attacks of our enemy. As the band makes its way back up front, though we were totally vulnerable, like the small prey of a ferocious animal, the Lord did not permit our, our enemies to tear us apart. Though we were hopelessly trapped, like a snared bird in a hunter's trap, the Lord broke the trap and we escaped. We escaped, Refuge Church. <laughs> we escaped. This is, a, this is awesome. It says, we escaped because the Lord is on our side. So guess what we should do? Guess what we should do? We should bless the Lord. Just like the text says, we should bless the Lord. We bless the Lord by acknowledging publicly that our help is from the Lord. We believe that the Lord who made heaven and earth was our help. And, and when we experience the help of the maker of heaven and earth, so then we bless his name. We bless the Lord, the one who created the universe is the very one who is on our side. How encouraging is that? The one who, who made heaven and earth is the one that fights for us and goes before us as our shield and our buckler, and he, he slashes and he crashes and he moves things out of the way. Whenever we have a problem, when we go to him humbly on our knees, he makes moves for us. He pushes back the, the waters that would ordinarily drown us and, and overflow and just, he, he moves that back. He, he keeps the destruction from getting to us. This is the one he, that, that, that 
He, he never, ever moved from his post. He's always been faithful. <laughs> He's always stayed faithful. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to remember this. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? God bless you and God keep you. As our band gets ready to play, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what we just discussed. I know I did most of the talking. But I want you to think about what we just shared. And I want you to sing with fervency, with excitement, with passion and love to the one who we know is going to take care of us forever. Amen? God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent. Thank you.